Welcome to the Fetish School, where naughty is nice. This podcast is designed for anyone new to the lifestyle, curious, or possess a desire to explore. This show includes explicit sensual references suitable for mature audience over the age of 18. Listener discretion is advised. Here at the Fetish School, we hope to demystify, normalize, and enhance the exploration of the world of kink, fetishes, and BDSM. Today's episode will explore kink myth busters. So please take notes, keep an open mind, and most importantly, have fun. Classes in session. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Fetish School. I am your hostess, Mistress D, and we are back for another episode of Kinky Fun. Uh, So last time on our last episode, we uh, talked a little bit about um, getting started with kink and BDSM. So we cover a bit of privacy, discretion, um, terms of engagement, and some basic kink terminology and things around safety. So for this episode, we wanted to dig into some of the myths around kink and BDSM. So for this episode, We'll go a little bit into, uh, I guess, a lot of favorites. The one common thing that everyone's familiar with, and that is E.L. James's Fifty Shades of Grey. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, and then we'll also get into some of the myths. So some psychological myths, as well as role-related myths. Um, and we'll dis- help you decipher between myths and reality and how you can fact check some of the things that you hear or that um, you come across as you explore the world of kink. So uh, yeah, buckle up. Let's get ready to uh, enjoy a fun ride with kink mythbusters Fifty Shades of Grey We'll start with that because we've all seen it. We know the soundtrack. Shout out to the weekend um for that very sultry track. But Fifty Shades of Grey um I like to call it the Fifty Shades of Hell No. Um, So if you're unfamiliar with uh, the movie as well as the um, 2011 novel by E.L. James called Fifty Shades of Grey, it's pretty much about two characters. You had a very suave billionaire by the name of Christian Grey who was emotionally distant uh, billionaire, I think he was. Um, and then you had this very innocent uh, English lit major, Anastasia Steele. Um, and, and in a nutshell, she was doing an interview on this billionaire. Somehow she caught his eye. She reminded him of one of his ex uh, playmates, if you will. And he decided to approach her with a kink relationship, a dom-sub relationship. And that quickly developed into a little bit more than they bargained for. So uh, the movie goes where 
Anastasia and Christian go in and out of these ebbs and flows of this uh, kink relationship where she gives him her virginity and he actually takes out, in my opinion, his emotional trauma through um, impact play in BDSM. Um, Anastasia caught feelings for him and pretty much tried to to change this guy um, into, you know, her boyfriend. Um, but I, I give you that small summary because uh, in a nutshell, it's unhealthy. Um, there are a couple things that were unhealthy while very erotic. It was so unhealthy. Um, well, they did sign a couple things. BDSM is consensual. So yes, Anastasia signed on for it. Um, but she was very vanilla to it. She was new. Um, you didn't really see any discussions around her boundaries. She just kind of, you know, gave that power over to her dom, who was Christian. Um, so as their relationship progressed, you know, there were quick check-ins and things like that. There was a little bit of manipulation going on that I didn't like. Um, and, and to me, that's that's not a good um reflection of what a healthy kink or dom and sub relationship is and not all these relationships end up romantic you do develop some type of attachment to your partner a hundred percent but because it is so supposed to be so safe and consensual you're constantly checking the physical, mental, and emotional health of your partner. So if it's ever headed in a direction that neither one of you are comfortable with, there's always a checkpoint where you can, you know, check in with your partner and kind of keep things on track. And if it becomes, if it comes to a point where someone's uncomfortable or there's some boundaries or we've evolved in this, you know, this relationship, this kink relationship, and this is something I don't want anymore. There are ways to to determine that. And, and that is why I love these types of relationships because it keeps everyone's um, best interests in mind. So that's one way. Um, another way I think um, Fifty Shades of Grey was wrong is it it's not all impact play. I know when you think of BDSM, you picture this leather wearing, uh, latex wearing, you know, dom, whether male or female, and they're, you know, whether paddling their sub or something like that. That's not um, 100% of what it is. That's just a, a small aspect of it. Um, but the way that Fifty Shades portrayed that is you know it's only a small percentage of what it what it is um and so for that reason I you know loved it it was a great fantasy of a film and a novel but as it relates to the world of kink and BDSM not all doms are built the same and not all subs and relationships are built the same and that is not um I guess the entire uh, picture for kink and BDSM. So yeah, just keep that in mind. Um, it doesn't, BDSM does not have to always involve sex or penetration. Um, signing contracts are normal and 
enforcing or um, laying out those boundaries, they are clear. And it's typically done prior to any play, prior to signing any contracts. And so that's kind of how I feel that um, Fifty Shades was a little bit different. So um, I hope you enjoyed it when you watched it. But again, that was very fictional. And a lot of kinksters were slightly offended by it. Um, but yeah, that, that's definitely not what kink and BDSM are. So that led me to giving you a few myths. Um, we only take it for what we see and what we come across, but there are a lot of myths out there that I want to bust for you. So hang tight and let's get into it. Myth number one, let's talk about some psychological myths. Uh, There are a lot of, uh, I would say, articles out there, different forums, and even posts from, you know, people inside and outside of the world of kink, where they throw these ideas out there. And sometimes we tend to take it as fact, but um, most of them are not necessarily true. So one of the myths that I want to uh, share with you is the myth that pain is intrinsic to BDSM. Uh, That is absolutely a bust. Pain is definitely not a necessity when it comes to BDSM. And it's, it's not all about pain in general. In fact, it's the complete opposite. So when we're talking about pain, it is only a small component. And that depends on the participants um, and how they like to either give the pain or receive the pain. Um, Just as if you're a voyeur or an exhibitionist, you enjoy or become aroused by either watching or, you know, having people watch you. So again, it depends, but it's absolutely not necessary when uh, being involved in BDSM. And to counter that even more, BDSM is 100% about safety and pleasure. And there are some people who receive pleasure out of a bit of pain. Um, And that scale is very wide, obviously. Um, and, And the reason for that is sometimes pain, just depending on how it's applied, it can release certain chemicals in the brain, such as endorphins, um, serotonin, you know, the well-being uh, or mood balancing chemical. And of course, the favorite dopamine, that's our pleasure hormone. Um, So, you know, think about taking a paddle um, and very gently spanking it or uh, placing it on the skin repeatedly. Somebody somewhere absolutely enjoys that and it does bring them pleasure. So because it is uh, incorporated in some forms of play, um, impact play specifically, it is included in BDSM, but it is not necessary. Um, there are other ways to enjoy BDSM that do not include pain. Uh, that would be, you know, something more sensual, uh, having, um, there's a couple where the sub enjoys or excuse me, playing furniture, you know, whether being on all fours and having these beautiful pair of shoes placed on, you know, his back as he, you know, um, you know, is, is pretending to be a piece of furniture, like a footstool. So that doesn't require any pain, but that is in fact, um, BDSM and play. Um, and then more commonly, 
role-playing role-playing has nothing at all to do with pain um and that would be you know dressing up as a naughty nurse or pretending to be a sexy kitten uh, that those none of those uh in those roles require any pain so that myth is a total bust because pain is not um necessary for play in bdsm the next myth i would address is <laughs> One, I'm so offended, but not really. Uh, it's that BDSM is all about sex. As soon as you hear the word BDSM, um, if you don't always think of someone draped in leather or latex, you think sex. Well, sorry to disappoint, but there are a lot of um, relationships, kink relationships out there that do not involve sex at all. BDSM, it involves um bondage dominance submission and in those it it you don't absolutely have to have sex or be penetrated um i would say more than 50% of the mindset that goes into uh bdsm it's 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 all mental all of it is mental a, a little a small percentage again these are my opinions this part's not fact but a small percentage is physical um so yeah again you know thanks to those chemicals that are released in pre-play and when you're in the scene and you're enjoying it and when you come down and you're you know gliding to safety and aftercare all of that again does not require sex at all nothing's wrong with it there are couples that do engage in uh sexual activity um but it is not all about sex. It's a small portion of it that is. And there are so many ways to enjoy the journey of BDSM and kink without actually having to have sex with your partner. Um, and then one other thing I would add is just to kind of drive that point home. There are um, dom and sub relationships where one or both of the partners actually have a a spouse um or a another partner um that they share a lifestyle with and in some of those cases those partners are vanilla but they do give their partners permission to enjoy kink and bdsm um because they see how essential it is um in saying that, it makes me think of the show called Billions. I think it's on HBO. Uh, and, so, and so in some of the earlier seasons, one of the characters uh, actually, you know, enjoys BDSM in this way. He has a wife and sometimes they both would enjoy um, a play session with a mistress. And then there are times whenever he specifically needed it, he got permission from his wife to go enjoy a session with his mistress. So uh, in none of those occasions, at least in that show, was sex involved. So yeah, bust that one too. <laughs> BDSM is not all about sex. So uh, yeah. So uh, the next myth I'd like to bust as well is that people who practice BDSM are mentally unstable or abused. I can't tell you how many times um, I've come across an article or, you know, a thread online somewhere where 
especially after the release of the movie Fifty Shades of Grey, where, oh my gosh, everyone is saying that anyone in this lifestyle has got to be absolutely nuts or they suffered some type of trauma in their past. Not true at all. In fact, according to Freud, the answer here is yeah, you know, sometimes some people go through things and they learn to cope with life by using this. I mean, to be honest with you, this is my opinion again. BDSM is equivalent to a form of therapy. Um, so sometimes people do use it. If they're stressed out, they will absolutely, you know, enjoy a scene and participate and their stress levels are down. So, um yeah, it's it's definitely not the case where absolutely everyone is mentally unstable or they were uh, abused. Um, but yeah, there's tons of studies that have actually debunked this myth about people who practice BDSM, um, you know, have a type of mental illness. And so in some of those studies, we they've actually found that practitioners of BDSM had lower levels of depression, uh, anxiety, PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, they had lower like paranoia. And I can absolutely see why. And the, this same group of people um, also reported higher levels of well-being and even a more secure attachment to their relationships. Um, because again, people come into this lifestyle or they enjoy this lifestyle because it it does the same thing in the brain as going for a run um, or enjoying a, a funny movie. It triggers the very same chemicals when done safely and uh, correctly. And so for that reason, no, not a lot of people, you know, I would say are unstable in this environment. These people have just uniquely found a way to enjoy um, something very sexual, something very near and dear to them. And they have learned to leverage it and it works out for them. Um, there are cases where um, a dominant personality in their professional life will enjoy a kink scene because this is the one place that this person can relinquish all of their power in their everyday life and escape and allow themselves to enjoy and be taken care of by their dom uh, or by their sub. So, yep, that's got to be a bust to everyone or anyone who practices BDSM is not mentally unstable or were abused. So, yeah, these myths. Yeah, this is not uh, <laughs> this is not uh, a fact here at all. So, yeah, let's move on to the next set of myths before we close this out and talk about role related myths. Role related myths. So, hmm, there were a lot of myths out there, but I just chose the few that were really interesting. And the one that stuck out the most um, that I myself used to actually believe is that dominance 
equals aggression and submission equals weakness. I could not have been more wrong. However, the way that we see it, whether it's in a book or in a movie, anytime we see a dom, we see shit cat woman with a whip or we see this sexy hot guy in jeans no fucking shirt and he's just so aggressive and just barking orders and it's just like <laughs> while that's nice that's not the case 100 percent of the time um but yeah dominants are not angry so yeah we'll, we'll talk about both of those so on the left side of the slash dominance is not equivalent to aggression they're not angry they don't all wear leather or latex um in fact they are just normal people they do cater to the entire scene um they do curate um the entire experience so it's more of a leadership role you you have to take on a little more responsibility and have a bit more awareness and just depending on who your partner is sometimes aggression is absolutely necessary again it is a leadership role where you are charged with carrying out the fantasy or the needs and desires for yourself and or for your sub so sometimes aggression is in there but not all doms um, are aggressive or or angry and so <laughs> for that reason uh, you will have doms that dress in I don't know jeans and a t-shirt you'll have doms that do actually wear beautiful lingerie and they're very sensual so again dominance is not you know, it doesn't equal aggression at all. It is just a leadership role where you are in charge of the pace, curating the scene and addressing all of the needs and desires from beginning, during and after the scene. So um, now addressing the submissives. When you think submissive, I don't know about you, but a lot of people see someone kneeling or taking orders and can't make eye contact and they have no say and they're typically disrespected. Ain't wrong again. Uh, no, submissives hold a lot of power. Uh, and I may be speaking for myself um, here when, when talking about a sub subs have a lot of power subs um just according to some articles and I'll, I'll put the link for these uh in the description as well a lot of subs carry a lot of leadership in their professional and personal life so when they come into the world of kink they want to release that you know who wants to carry a load a hundred percent of the time so a lot of you know, submissives, whether male or female, are one very A type. They are very selective. Um, and this is why, you know, discretion and privacy is a really, really big thing for everyone involved because these roles as a submissive, they are trusting the Dom or the other partners to bring to life the experience, you know, appealing to all the senses starting from you know pre-play and and being able to safely and successfully in the session where everyone is still mentally intact and you know they had a great time and you know after the scene they go back 
to their you know lives and they feel more empowered they feel stronger and again because some of these scenes uh, release the same chemicals as exercising or having an orgasm these people leave these sessions and scenes and play feeling better feeling relief and feeling happier and clear-headed so just because someone enjoys being in a place of worship or being on their knees or being humiliated. There there are some subs who want to feel some of those things and it doesn't mean anything's wrong and it doesn't mean that they are weak. It just means that they get pleasure from feeling some of those things from not being in the you know the big boss shoes sometimes it's nice to just take those big boss shoes off and let someone else have all the fun with all of that you know so yeah dominance does not equal aggression and submission does not equal weakness so now the next myth um i want to share with you and bust for you is that doms or masochists and they don't respect their <laughs> subs. No, doms are not necessarily uh, masochists, meaning they get pleasure from inflicting pain. Again, kind of going back to the last myth, doms curate the scene. They are a leader. So what happens is before a scene even takes place, typically the dom and the sub will sit down. They'll have a conversation about boundaries and hard nose and, you know, what you're hoping to get out of the experience. So it's it's very detailed. And using those details, the dom sets the tone and gets to the end goal. So, yeah, while doms and subs, you know, might enjoy, you know, impact play or something of that nature honestly they do have discussion about boundaries and about um aftercare so the 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 truth is if this myth were true these conversations wouldn't happen they wouldn't consider your feelings and again this is exactly why 50 shades of gray was such a bad um interpretation because the conversations that happen in real life didn't happen in that movie and subs are absolutely respected why do you think a safe word exists you know however there are cases where you have uh, or a a kink relationship um, will have consensual non-consent meaning i give you permission to do what you want don't ask my permission you know, it doesn't matter. I trust you. Whatever you want to do to me, I trust that you will do it. So in those cases, you know, that does happen. But nowhere in there uh, would a dom absolutely disregard, you know, their subs feelings, mental health, emotional health. Um, so there's absolutely no disrespect. Again, this world is all about respect, consent and safety. So these are always, always, always a priority. So that myth is uh, out of here too. Now, the last myth I want to um, discuss is that BDSM takes place in a dungeon. Now, is that one of the most convenient places? Absolutely. Dungeons are, oh my God, they're like the speakeasies of sex. Literally, you could have a dungeon that looks like an abandoned doorway to a warehouse and you open it 
and the lighting is everything. The smell of, you know, a pleasant fragrance hits your nose. The music is perfect. And, you know, it's it's amazing. And it has all of the furniture that you could imagine. Um, and they have, you know, rooms where you can go in and use any of the equipment. They have an aftercare room. They have a lounge area. They have a buffet you name it dungeons absolutely are the shit but they don't it doesn't always require you know bdsm doesn't have to happen there you know as far as sessions so that's absolutely not true um but you can and so i would say that bdsm doesn't take place in a dungeon it honestly starts in the mind and you can literally play it out in any room under any circumstance. You can play it out in a restaurant. Um, again, <laughs> that would be another conversation, but definitely you can participate and enjoy BDSM absolutely anywhere. There are relationships where uh, couples are long distance and they maintain a very healthy uh, kink relationship. So absolutely bdsm doesn't have to take place in a dungeon it could be at your home it could be online it could be through text message bdsm is so mental it can absolutely happen anywhere um and then speaking of the furniture and things that you might find in a dungeon you don't it, a toy chest is not required. And when I say toy chest, I mean a bag of some sort or a, you know, a container that holds all of your tools that you use during a scene, whether it's a blindfold, a pair of handcuffs. Hell, your toy chest could be your nightstand drawer. Um, and so, you know, th for that reason, you can absolutely uh, enjoy BDSM anywhere uh, it's the simple things that appeal to the senses and, and it's just fine again it could be satin rope um you know feathers or hell it could be a chain and not to just touch you know to you know touch a person with it but sometimes the sound of you know a chain hitting cold concrete you know it may arouse someone in a way um and all toys aside let's not forget orgasm denial that's a form of, of kink, you know, in BDSM play. So, you know, this can happen, you know, which which would be more common online or, you know, on a FaceTime with your kink partner and having them edge, bringing them as close as possible to orgasming and then denying them that that pleasure for a short period of time. Uh, disclaimer, please be careful there um, because that could, you know, cause a little frustration if done incorrectly. But no, you don't have to enjoy BDSM in a dungeon. You can absolutely create your play space, whether it's at home, in a room, in your closet, at a restaurant, online, you name it, it's mental and you can enjoy it absolutely anywhere. So I hope these myths, um, you know, if you've heard them, I hope you're like, okay, well, I'm glad that's clear because a lot of these are absolute busts. So whether they were psychological or they were related to roles or the atmosphere around kink, definitely, definitely bust those myths. So um, what I do want to share uh, before we end this episode is when you come across these myths, 
how you can decipher what's myth and what's reality. So let me share that with you before we go. All right, let's decipher these myths from reality. If you're reading anything, if someone says something, um, you know, or, or you it comes to your attention, first thing I would recommend is, I mean, in a gentle way, but challenge the source. So if someone says, you know, ah, kink's all about sex, you know, I would say, hmm, that's interesting. What makes you think that, you know, um, because it's interesting to, you know, again, BDSM and kink, it's mental understanding where a person comes from with, you know, their ideas of it is a wonderful opportunity to learn more about the lifestyle if you're into that, but also to educate someone who might just kind of be shy about it. And they're just throwing it out there to maybe get the conversation started. So, you know, always challenge the source uh, and, and ask them, you know, about how did they arrive there? You know, where'd they get that from, you know, and then use it as an opportunity to share some healthy feed feedback for anyone who's inquiring about, you know, certain myths or things that they've heard or seen on TV as it relates to BDSM. And then the other part of that is, you know, challenging your source online. If you see it in a forum, if you see it, you know, in an article, find several sources that maybe support that. I never go off of a single source when it comes to something um, that could impact my physical or mental health. So absolutely challenge your online sources. Look at those articles, see who wrote it, how long ago it was. And and then from there, you know, kind of draw your own conclusions there. I can't stress enough that common sense in this realm is absolutely imperative. And there is nothing wrong with Googling and finding some uh, fact-based content, science-based uh, content out there that, you know, will give you the answers that you're looking for. Absolutely never take um someone's advice or perspective on this without doing your homework so absolutely ask questions challenge your source and google um another way to kind of understand you know what's real and what's not real um i would say ask um check online fet life uh fet life is a wonderful place and i've mentioned this before where there are tons of forums where people are sharing this information they're getting feedback they're getting advice they're getting help you name it it is there and you can always go on here and ask a question and you will have responses from people across the globe who will point you in the right direction, give you their experience, their feedback. And there are tons of written material on there as well um, that you would, you know, find very, very helpful. So absolutely don't take a myth for fact. Just check your sources, ask around, and in a safe, very, very safe way, explore it for yourself. You know, um, if, if something's out there and you're curious about it, you don't know if it's true or not, you know, explore. That's what this entire world is about. It is about finding your way, your, you know, personal journey 
and enjoying it and being open-minded enough to explore things um, without judgment. You know, if you get into it, you find out it's not for you. Uh, you can always never do it again. But absolutely, decipher those myths from reality and, of course, share it with a kinky friend. So that is it, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you enjoyed hearing about these myths. And I hope I was able to bust a few of them for you and give you a little insight on how you can continue to enjoy your journey in kink and BDSM. And yeah, definitely learn how to decipher myths from reality. So BDSM, you know, it's not all that you see, but it's all that you make it to be. It's more mental than it is physical. And for that reason, you can practice this anywhere. Um, your roles are custom to, you know, each person's tastes and preferences and boundaries. And BDSM is healthy when done correctly and definitely can improve your overall well-being. So, you know, find your nearest dungeon, whether that's at home or in your closet. Get your toy chest and explore your imagination because kink is all about fun and all about play. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you again for tuning in to the Fetish School podcast. I am your hostess, Mistress D. Until next time, talk soon. you again ladies and gentlemen for tuning in to the fetish school podcast i hope that you've found this informative thought-provoking and very entertaining please follow us on instagram at the fetish school and don't forget to share this podcast with a kinky friend our next class will explore kink role exploration, where we talk more about the dominant role and the submissive role and all the fun things that come along with that. So my name is Mistress D. It has been an absolute pleasure spending time with you today. Until next time, stay safe, stay kinky, and stay tuned. Class dismissed. Welcome to the Fetish School, where naughty is nice. This podcast is designed for anyone new to the lifestyle, curious, or is just seeking ideas to explore. This show includes explicit sexual references suitable for mature audience over the age of 18. Listener discretion is advised. Here at the Fetish School, we hope to demystify, normalize, and enhance the exploration of the world of kink, fetishes, and BDSM. Today's episode, we will explore the role of the submissive with a very special guest. So please take notes, keep an open mind, and most importantly, have fun. Class is in session. <laughs>